how do you see that portion changing of the controller? You have the big players that are still going to be making controllers. Or actually, will controllers still exist? Or is it literally going to be just smart edge devices where the sensor communicates? I I definitely think it's going to be hardware. Maybe it's almost coming up with a standard for programming. You are listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, it's real estate and industry 4.0, and most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data you don't have that will change your life. With your host, the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Wern. This episode is sponsored by Platform of Trust. I like Platform of Trust because it enables companies to create value from any type of data. Therefore, it saves time, money, and it's the perfect tool for companies who want to make data-driven decisions on data they can trust. They make it easy to collect, harmonize, and trust the data from different sources and basically any source that you want. And you don't need to hire 10 IT technicians or spend hundreds of thousands for a cloud platform because Platform of Trust can manage integrations and you'll see if something goes down in real time. Platform of Trust enables companies to take action based on the data that you can trust. Today, not tomorrow. This episode is one of the alpha podcast sessions for the Beyond Buildings podcast. I recorded this during the COVID coronavirus and I didn't have access to great tools or technology. But I wanted to record some of the great sessions I had when talking to interesting people in the smart city space. In this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast, we are talking to Omar Jacobi from Honeywell Systems. He is a future shaper who's turning buildings into strategic assets. We talk about why Honeywell goes after highly critical segments like data centers, where we also get to know his approach to finding new customers. We discuss connected buildings, the cost of irrelevance, digital twins, mesh sensors from connected networks, and the importance of scalability and thinking ahead. A very interesting episode where Omar also proves what a great listener he is. Go above and beyond with the Beyond Buildings podcast. Omar from uh, Canada, currently working at Honeywell. Got into the building automation industry straight out of university. I started off, we were talking a little bit earlier about the Swedish company TAC Zenta. So I worked at a small integrator called TA Canada here that basically they turned a small city in Ontario almost to Sweden, where it was like all lawn, all TAC Zenta everywhere, right? (laughs) And then that company was acquired by Convergent, who are a big integrator now, mostly on the security side, then moved to Honeywell. In general, I have a big interest in buildings and technology. And uh, now, obviously, with the widespread of cloud on it as well, I feel like I'm lacking some knowledge there. So I'm like trying to reach out to as much people as possible. Whenever I see a post that I'm not really sure of, I'll I'll reach out like we did here, right? So, which is a good segue to the question. So one of the questions or one of the OCAD, which really caught my attention, you're like, the future is going to be decoupling hardware and software. Whereas right now we're very far away from that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe there are some small companies that are doing that. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe not, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right now, you still have your controller, whether it's Honeywell controller, whatever, Schneider controller, you still need the tools of that manufacturer in order to program it. Yeah. You want to move away from that. What does that even look like? It's a really good question. 
it came down to, or why I got the idea is, I mean, again, like standing on the shoulders of giants. So, I mean, I was at the HR Expo and uh, had a seminar about open controls, open systems. I think it was the second year we had that together with uh, Kelvin Slater from Climate Tech, Brad White from out of Canada as well, and also Sax Netza from CC, Contemporary Controls. So I mean, we've been talking about this on and off, like back chatting prior to the seminar. I'm like, what does the future look like? I mean, what does it mean with open? All of these kind of things. And open can mean a lot of different ways or different things for everyone, right? So open source, open what? What is open? What is closed? Yeah. And also when I'm doing this digitalization strategy for a digital twin company, I had the three brackets. I mean, I was in a talk yesterday. I need to name it something else because it needs to sound catchy, right? But we have like first level where we are right now. Yeah, it's like hardware, software. And especially the tools, like you say, they're coupled together. Like basically every controller, PLC, whatever, yeah. is like that, right? And it's also about openness, which we're talking about, but it's also the industry technology that goes into that controller. And you're looking at existing buildings. I mean, you have like the PID loops, hard-coded things inside the controller. It's really, really difficult to create value for someone else coming at it. And that's, mm-hmm. again, why everyone is locked into that, to the existing business as it is. And you look at this, so like the mid-level two, that's, we have three levels. So the level two is Troy Harvey from Passive Logic. He was over here in Sweden and had a great seminar. And they bring in all this like new fancy stuff, AI, machine learning to the edge, as well as with wireless stuff. But at the same time, at least again, like I need to get confirmation from him. But I mean, I think that you're tied to using their tools. So still, you're bringing industry technology to where it needs to be. And yet, yes, you have probably one API to the building, you can get quality data out, but there is a recurring business model. There is a lock in their product, right? So this is my point when I talk to James Dice, who is a titan, I think, in this industry as well, right? With his Nexus, uh, my newsletter and these kind of things. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. If you look at another market like the smartphone industry, where you have Android as a complement or as a competitor directly to Apple, but at the same time, I've had Android phones for well, for the last 10 years, I guess. I've never had an iPhone. But still, when I'm trying to integrate it with like four or five different things, it's always a hassle. I mm-hmm. mean, it's always something. I have to Google, how does this work? How do I get these things to talk to each other? And it's never a seamless real experience. So yeah. again, like level two, even if it's proprietary, even if you have to use their tools, again, like looking at Apple, it's still something that works through and through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, at the same time, if you look at level three, which is where I think the future is going and where it needs to go, not only in building automation, but in general, when it comes to, of course, Industry 4.0, we're seeing a lot of open source stuff hitting it at mature levels where all the biggest companies, they're not doing anything from scratch. Everyone doing something today and that are big, they're using open source software. They're using yeah. frameworks, they're using this stuff, they're using GitHub, they're using instead of reinventing the wheel again, like there's building and on top of standing on top of the shoulders of giants. So, and I think that's definitely where the third level is and where we see where everything is going to and where we should be moving to as well. So that's just like the core of my strategy, just knowing about these three levels, right? So, but mm-hmm. the thing is, again, like when you talk to one of the representatives, my digital twin, the company that I'm consulting for, he said, okay, okay, fair enough. But I mean, like you said it as well, are there any solutions out there today? And then I said, I mean, I know a handful uh, that have like software only that you can deploy on like a tablet that Android based or you can put them on any Linux hardware or whatever. But it's really, really rare, I think. And if it's at that level, it's not that been doing it for like 10 years. So there's always a 
So like risk reward, right? Hard, larger risk. Do they have the documentation in place? Do they have reference cases? All of these kind of things. But at the same time, we get a building with one APA at the top. We're not locked into their solutions for the next 10 years. And you couple that with the skill shortage gap. So skill shortage gap for me is one, you know, people that know exactly how TAC works or Honeywell or uh, Tridium or whatever, like the skill set that is needed for these proprietary tool chains in the yeah. controllers going back like 30 years, right? And it's also the same thing as in skill shortage, as in knowing how buildings operate and like the traditional mechanical stuff and how things get together. But if you see like the growing, if people are hiring right now or hiring more IT people, of course, who needs to attract more people. So like more IT savviness yeah. all around, right? And if you're looking at, okay, we're going to build a building today, we're going to put in a system. And for me, like buildings are have to be robust, useful, and attractive. And robust for me, which is like, okay, yes, the building itself has to pass the test of time, right? It's got to be there for what, 100 years or whatever. <laughs> but also the systems, I mean, they need to be there for the next, I don't know, 50 years yeah. or something or 20 years or whatever. Yeah. And then for me, then robust in this day and age means modular. You have to be able to rip something out without costing a lot of money, without doing this kind of thing. So that's why you need the separation of hardware and software. So you have like a hardware base, yeah, that can pass the test of time. If you want to rip it out, you rip it out. But it has to be decoupled from the software. Otherwise, the recurring stuff, the integration costs, the skill sets needed, again, are going to transition from like these proprietary skill sets to just like, working with standardized quality data and you need like just an IT person to be able to do these kind of things. And I yeah. see that backnet is also going to evolve. If you look at what's happening both inside the industry and especially outside the industry, I mean, I see that people are still have a hard time hiring people here in Sweden. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad company, but they mm-hmm. work with in outdated ways, manual ways of working, PDF files, uh, or even that, like they have like the binders, no access to information. Most of the time when you're doing technical asset management, asset management goes out for, it goes to hunting for information and then validating that information. Whilst yeah. if a new employee, I mean, I'm used to, again, like having everything at my fingertips. I get annoyed when Netflix or like lags or you have to wait for like two seconds. I mean, my kids yeah. are even yeah. worse, yeah. right? You can't expect someone to get attracted to a company that says like, we have no idea where the information is. You have to hunt for it. You have to call someone. You have to go out on site all the time. You have to open the doors. I mean, all this stuff, again, like it's a two sides of this. One is smart organization. One is smart buildings, definitely. Yeah. And then you need yeah. to have it through and through smartness. And again, like, so my vision is like, you have level three where you have like the decoupling because you get one API to the building you can work with standardized quality data and back in 2.0, as I like to call it, whatever that would be, so that someone that comes in gets an MQTT API and then you have like the data flowing, it gets tagged with Haystack or Brick or whatever, as yeah. well as back then. So mm-hmm. that's the key thing in sort of like continuing the interoperable journey. You still have you moving from like an OT-centric kind of way with PID loops and all these kind of things to more generic any developer can do something for this building, but they need to do it in an interoperable way. So I yeah. think that that's where we, we can't lose backend. Like backend is so, so important in my eyes to make that transition. I think like we've tried with backend SC in getting like communication secure, okay. right? In my book, it's not really enough because again, if you look at it from a smart city context, 
there's so much data that buildings need to deliver and provide to different services. So we need easier access to data, faster access to data, I think. And it's going to go for every like 15 minutes to actually making API calls to the buildings much, much faster from things we haven't seen before. It's like when you first pitch the app store to someone, mm-hmm. right? And then someone definitely asks, okay, what kind of apps is going to be in the app store? That's where we are right now with building automation. Yeah. Okay, so you want yeah. to separate this stuff and you want to create an app store for buildings. Okay, what kind of apps is going to be in there? It's such a yeah. great question. And it's such a stupid question. Because like you have to have an answer, but at the same time, it's impossible to have an answer. Because if you look in the app store today, 15 million, 20 million apps or something, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, so, so it's just like enabling or democratizing smart city innovation yeah. so that it doesn't require like this skill shortage. Like it's just to be someone with an idea, a developer, and then uh, sort of like a great piece of interoperable protocol that works as the you know, interoperable layer. And then you mm-hmm. just go at it in a, in a standardized way with one API. Open, secure, all of these kind of things. That's what I believe is the future. At this point, it's still kind of speculation, right? It's hard to tell where it's actually going to go. And actually, you're talking about the interoperable side of it, getting the data, securing the data, and then making it available to anyone who wants to build applications similar to what the App Store or the Google Store or whatever most of the big manufacturers are heading in that direction. They think about, yeah, the Siemens, the Honeywells, the Schneiders, they're all building a platform. And now yeah. maybe we're talking a higher level than a field level of controllers yeah, that yeah, maybe yeah. still needs to change. But they're all talking about building a platform that will get all the data, that will give you all the AI and machine learning tools, but then also makes all that available through open APIs. And yeah. they're securing the APIs. They're making them work consistently. I talked to Siemens and Mindsphere people, this was maybe about three years ago. Yeah. Exactly the same thing that you're saying. I mean, you have these fantastic tools, you have everything like in the same environment. It's great, right? If you have an airport, fantastic. And if you use only their products. Problem is that if you use it for something, then you want to use something else. One is like the, the system integrators might not be comfortable because they're only using Siemens stuff or they're using the vendor stuff, right? And the vendors might say that okay, if you use someone else's stuff, we're not going to be behind your back. I heard that from at the HR Expo, actually. So you, you're not really allowed to do anything outside, so like the pond, right? I think like the design and build, and this is also catering to like the top 3%, I think, like of all the buildings that are there. And like there's still a holy grail in the, like a blue ocean between so like home automation and like building automation, right? And if we want to target like the, the midsection, of all things without having it super expensive. Yeah. I mean, can't rely on their products. It's yeah. impossible. So we need to yeah. hit that to like middle home run where you have something that is industrial, that is robust, useful, and attractive, all these kind of things, but at the price point and also something that's going to benefit to the industry and technology that can sit in the middle. Again, examples, Passive Logic, they have a great offering, which is like the middle brackets. And the second one is, if you're looking at hardware software that I know of, that is just like separated, is this mm-hmm. Bubble Sentinel from the UK, from EconomyWise, I think. Yeah. So they've been like master systems integrators for like forever. And they've yeah. seen all these problems. So they decided to do something about it and yeah. create something that is extremely versatile. So they said like an Android foundation. So they like back it to Android Bridge. So you can actually run it on whatever well Android app you want, right? 
And okay. then it's something for me as a tenant, something for any kind of stakeholder sits on the edge and the cloud. We can go and switch to like uh, edge and cloud as well, because I think yeah. that's where you started the conversation and just looking yeah. at things are happening with the cloud. You haven't seen my extremely fantastic article, the building bus breakdown. But there I said, like, I know there are a lot of companies who are rushing to the cloud still, but that's basically like where most of IT companies were like 15 years ago. Now yeah. it's more if you look at it, like you are in a building, you haven't had that connected, you rush into the cloud, okay, you're already 15 years ago. What cloud companies are doing now is rushing to the edge, having yeah. a hybrid approach, right? And that's why I think like local control is so important. And that's why pure cloud solutions with all the logic in the cloud, absolutely stupid. It's absolutely horrible. Again, like you should start from, okay, where is the source data coming from, right? Then you have like a controller. Today, it's super hard. I mean, locked in, you maybe even hard coded. So if someone wants to change something, control strategies or set points, they have to go into a specific controller, look in the code, change something in the code, then go out and do it or use that tool from that specific vendor. How do you see that portion changing of the controller? You have the big players that are still going to be making controllers. Or actually, will controllers still exist? Or is it literally going to be just smart edge devices where the sensor communicates? I I definitely think it's going to be hardware, just generic hardware pieces. And then uh, either the the big vendors are going to still exist, but they have transitioned to a software-only approach. So they do the same things. Everyone can benefit, of course, from what they're doing and their legacy and the technology and the know-how, but hopefully in a more open way and definitely where you see a decoupling of hardware and software, 100%. Maybe it's almost coming up with a, the same way back as the standard for communicating, mm-hmm. coming up with a standard for programming or a software for programming. Uh, yeah, I think like Sedona is uh, like the block-based. Yeah. That's definitely something that is out there as totally open way of programming controllers. You can use yeah. Node-RED for that to an extent at least, but that's more for shuffling data from the cloud and the building and back. But Isidone is a really good example of something that's been there forever, or at least for a long time, but hasn't really gotten like the industry-wide adoption. I'm talking more about like the next level as in even more generic. It's not going to be more like about building automation. It's going to be someone that knows about building automation knows about all these kind of things, right? But it's more about setting the lodging. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be like a team of building automation expert, a developer, a UI, UX person, and a data scientist that sits and does stuff with the building. The intent is to create a self-driving building. So that's where we're going. But I definitely see like the big companies getting really disruptive. I read that article of yours how big companies get extinct if they don't Yeah, I mean, uh, existing companies are built to die, right? Yeah. But it's not even for the big ones. It's actually more for like the SIs and everyone that's working in the industry that is sort of like reluctant to change. Because again, like it's a classic, well, tech companies learn real estate faster than real estate learns technology, right? Yeah. I think we all have the answer to that question because you see like the urgency, the speed and all of these kind of things. So I think there are are so many companies that are going to go under you see the skill shortage gap is going to be hurtful for the next five to 10 years, most likely. And you see it's still like banking and relying on COBOL and all of these like old, old, old technology stacks that are there still because they built something from the beginning. And I mean, if I'm going to build a building now, do I want to rely on something from 
a big vendor that uses their tools or do I want to build something that is going to be open and robust and useful where the owner as well as the you can pick whatever system integrator you want or you can actually do more stuff with the building and again like going towards self-driving buildings as well I know that they're going to be disrupted because their whole cost structure or revenue structure is based on service and lock-in yeah Yeah. yeah You could argue that a lot of these companies are looking to change, but the problem is it's not clear what you need to change to. Of course they want to change. Nokia wanted to change. It's not that they saw or that they didn't see what's going to happen, right? If you just make a comparison. Ericsson saw the same thing. They hired probably McKinsey, BCG, Bain experts all around. They hired like teams of doing that, probably consulting for them for years. They still went under. And you have the ability and the speed as well as the urgency to change. It's not about one thing. It's about all of the things. And that's why it's so impossible. It's like turning a Titanic and in five minutes, you're going to go right. Every five minutes, you're going to go left. Or you're going to hit an iceberg. Yeah, I know we have uh, five minutes left. I'll end it with this. What do you think of the model, though, of, for example, what Niagara or... Niagara is obviously the biggest one. Schneider is doing a similar thing where you have your platform they're not going to market directly with it. They're getting yeah. certified partners. So it's kind of it's open, smart. but not completely open to whoever, free I mean, for all. It's open to the community to innovate with their products. And I think that's a brutal idea. I mean, as in brutal, great. It's a fantastic idea for them as a company. But yeah, again, exactly. like if you're looking at the end user, what do they get? Again, like they're locked into their solutions. Yeah, okay, it's easier to find a certified Niagara partner, I guess. But it's still, you're locked in. You have to use their tools. Is there somewhere else from other industries where that's not the case? Like, for example, if you get windows everywhere, you're locked in. Well, yeah, anyone can service your windows, but you're, yeah. there's windows everywhere, right? Isn't that inevitable? To a no, degree? of course not. That's exactly what I'm saying, that it's possible. And we have yeah. the correction. So you give like the freedom of choice. Is it going to happen? I don't know. But yeah. we should move in that direction or understand yeah. what kind of consequences it makes for speed, uh, innovation, uh, sustainability, whatever, right? Again, like if you use something like iPhone or if you use something like, well, in the mid bracket where you have like something that works, isn't that we all want, right? We want a building that works, so why not use it? But just, again, understand the pros and cons, both what it does to the industry, what it's going to do for you in the future if you want to change systems. It's going to be horrible. For me as a consultant, I guess, it's just like informing the customer of the pros and cons uh, as well as with what the future is moving towards. In the Industry 4.0 segment, we see that it's open source everywhere. Uh, Everyone that builds solutions today are basing an open source. If you're not doing it, you shouldn't hire them. It's that simple. And when you say open source, you mean from the standpoint of even the code being available to anyone? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're building something from the get-go that is open source. Then, of course, they're making proprietary solutions, but it should be... It's kind of like the Linux model. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. If you have the building, everything in my mind when it comes to building automation or any kind of hardware, it should just be hardware. It should be a dumb building, really. So at that also, which is the final point, which I love this insight. I hope you do too. But so if you're looking at it today, okay, so building automation people, they are last to the scene. Uh, when you do, like you have new construction, they last to the scene, right? So they have to work with different kinds of products and they have to make it work in some way, shape or form, right? And they always get the blame for everything, even though it's not really their fault. We're last to the scene and that's fine. That's perfect because it's just hardware. 
when I'm out there at the scene, I can see everything connected in terms of just pure hardware. And then I go into an app store or whatever. I just select, okay, I'm going to use Schneider for this one. I'm going to use Siemens for this one. I'm going to use X, Y, and Z for this one. Or I'm going to let like 10 companies bid for this one from a pure software play. Then I'm just going to deploy the logic that's going to make it work. Because the infrastructure yeah. is there. It's open. I can be the yeah. last of the scene. I have my skill, not shortage gap. And I can say what is best. Yeah. That is the perfect solution for me. And that's I mean, true. if you look at Passive Logic's project again, it's perfect. It's all about choice. I just want to bring choice to the ones that don't have a choice today, whether yeah. it's the tenants, the owners, the, the owners, asset yeah. managers, the SIs, because if they've chosen something, it's not really likely always that they can go with something else. So yeah. again, like bringing choice to this industry, that's what it's all about, in my opinion. It's definitely mind-boggling, I think. The key is to unlock our minds almost, right? I think like for me, it's just like crystal clear. But I spend like every waking and sleeping hour out of yeah. like the last six years yeah. just trying to find a solution. I think I found it. Yeah, like different yeah I think it's mind-boggling just yeah. because uh, there's still a lot of unknowns. The concept is there, but how it'll actually pan out in the current landscape is not very clear. For me, it's crystal clear. Almost all of the steps that needs to be taken I just need to get it out. We need to schedule another call. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. I want to hear all about that. Sounds Thanks, Omar. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, Platform of Trusts. For those of you who want to collect, harmonize, and trust data from anywhere in the world and make sense of it in a much, much faster way than ever before. Thank you.